You are listening to the Health Disparities Podcast, a program of Movement is Life, being recorded live and in person at Movement is Life's annual Health Equity Summit. Our theme this year is Bridging the Health Equity Gap in Vulnerable Communities. And as always, we are convening with a wonderful community of participants, workshop leaders, and speakers. I'm Dr. Hadia Green. I am the founder and president of Healthy Healing Community. And I am Kristen Zalakaver, Vice President and Chief Belonging and Equity Officer with Lifespan Health System. We are excited to convene a workshop entitled Empowerment and to Joy Through Movement. The best both physical and mental benefits are going from the couch to a 5K. Yes. Mm. As opposed to turning 5Kers into marathoners. And it's, um, it's, it's, you're, we're swimming upstream. On this episode of the podcast, which is audio only, we will be demonstrating movement, but we will be talking about the benefits of movement and hearing our guest stories. Please introduce yourselves. Hello, I am Dr. David Sabgar. I'm a doctor practicing cardiovascular medicine, and I'm the founder of Walk With A Doc, based in Columbus, Ohio. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Isha M. Renta Lopez. I'm the founder and director of Semilla Cultural, which translates to cultural seed, and we are based in and around the Washington, D.C. metro area. Welcome to you both. We're excited to have you. So our workshop is really celebrating the joy of movement, the way that moving our bodies in whatever way we might choose brings multiple benefits. For today's episode, we are going to invite our guests to share with us how the initiatives that they lead are beneficial at multiple levels, maybe even ways that are in addition to what one might initially expect. The three themes that we'd like to explore are, first, building community, second, improving physical health, and third, improving mental health. So we're going to ask our guests to talk about each of these themes, and we'll chime in with additional perspectives as we go. So let's start by asking Isha to share with us all, tell us a little about Samia Cultural and how your activities help to build community. I'm happy to talk about Semilla Cultural. So Semilla Cultural started uh, in 2014 officially, um, and we are ba- basically mainly focused on the practice, the traditional practice of bomba, which is uh, our oldest documented music and dance practice from Puerto Rico. And it was practiced by the enslaved people of Puerto Rico, and, you know, it has over 400 years of history, and it has gone through multiple, you know, it has evolved through time. Um, we are one of the few local groups that actually, and, but the leading group that is uh, focused on educating the community on the tradition of dance and, and also the music. Uh, the music is percussion-based, and the, um, the, the, the particularity, and I think one of the most interesting things about bomba is that when you are dancing bomba, uh, you have a bass rhythm going, so you need at least two drummers. So you have one drummer that is going to be keeping the bass along with the maraca and the pair of sticks that's called the guas. So those are the three main instruments that we use. But the lead drummer is called the primo or subidor for prime, premier, first drum. And that drummer has to watch the dancer's movements because the dancer's movements are going to be marked in the drum as drum beats. So those dance movements have to be sharp so that when the 
the you know the drummer is going to mark them. They have he has to be he or she has to be aware that you know when is that when do I mark that that movement? So we use the arms, we use the feet, we use our shoulders, our elbows. So there's a full body movement um, before we do the, that. That's improvised, and within the different um, um, uh, within the different bomba rhythms that it exists. Um, I cannot give you a specific name because every elder that I ask gave me a different number. But um, within the different rhythms and the five most popular ones, you'll find different emotions that it gives you and it produces on you. So usually when we dance, what I tell my students is when you are going to dance bomba, you have to connect with the song. You cannot improvise your movements without connecting to the vo vocals, without connecting to the drumming, so you can actually tell your story and sometimes even become vulnerable. So when we are creating community in Bomba, uh, we're basically doing it twofold. We're doing it in the individual phase of, of me as an individual. What connects with me is do I want to dance? Do I want to drum? Do I want to sing? Uh, do I want to do the maraca? Do I want to do the quas? Uh, but then that, that individuality then becomes you know, collective as a community because you cannot do Bomba by yourself. You get you need to have at least multiple, you know, at least four people, like for each part, like the vocals, the, the drumming, the maracas, the quads, but then you also need the dancers. So as part of Bomba, you need the movement so that you can connect the whole community. So it's a collective, it's an individual and collective approach. And that we have uh, informal gatherings that we call Toques de Bomba. Yeah, go ahead. Well, so I was going to say, I didn't want to interrupt your thought, but whenever I've seen Bomba dancers, right, uh -huh. it also is the, I've seen both male and female dancers, yes. but it seems as though the vast majority, especially in the beautiful dresses, I see the women. Mm -hmm. And so how empowering is it also for women to lead the effort and be, be able to have an outlet to express themselves emotionally too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that's a, I think that's the beauty of Bomba. When I said earlier, you become vulnerable as you dance because this is you're putting your emotions out there. Not everybody's prepared mentally to you know, put their emotions out there. And it takes also a challenge because when in the tradition right now, you dance once, one at a time in front of the drum. So it's, it's like when I teach, you know, I have a, a whole class and the students, and I remember when I started as a dancer, like, going out by myself to dance in a circle of people, it was intimidating. So you have to disconnect, the way I tell the students, you have to disconnect your surroundings so that you can focus on you and you can focus on the lead drummer and connect with the music. And, and it takes like a mental, you know, a mental part of you, kind of like, okay, forget about everything, let's focus on this. And, and it gets moments that it becomes very emotional. You know, I've had moments where I have cried because I'm dancing, I have moments that I have cried because I'm seeing someone dance and the emotion is so strong. There's a lot of energy, you know, there's the energy from the vocals, there's the energy from the drumming, there's the energy from the dancing. So there's all this collective energy that's happening in that space. And um, so it's just beautiful have, being able to manifest yourself using skirts to, as a tool to even empower you more. And I'll tell you that, you know, as part of Bomba history, um, the, the skirts were something that gave women more visibility in the dance because back in time, women were allowed mm -hmm. to dance, but they were, not, they were not using these big skirts that, you know, that came later on. And, and they, it, give, it gave women more empowerment to use those tools now. And, and now I, I love dancing with a skirt. It gives me that extra tool to be able to like manifest myself. 
So I love that you touched on the energy and the spirit with which um, music and movement can um, really not just empower a person, but even change levels um, on a physiological and mental level. And I think that that's one of the beautiful things about music is that you can hear a tune or a rhythm or a beat and you can remember all the lyrics or it takes you back to that time, space and place for you as an individual and or what your surrounding um, community was like for you. And so that makes me think of the connection between the movement and even the that we know movement increases a person's endorphins, right? Your happy hormones, right? And with um, our other guest, Dr. Sabger, with the walk with a doc, people are moving in your program and you're connecting with people on a physiological level doing a everyday movement, even something such as walking, which is innate to us, right? Take a baby out of the womb and they literally, if you brush their feet, they will walk. That's one of our innate things, but it's something that we can lose with time. And so I'd love to um, make that connection and ask you, Dr. Sabger, what was some of the genesis behind why you started and how you started Walk with a Doc and some of those impacts that you've seen on the community level? Sure. Uh, thank you, Hidea. Um, I started Walk with a Doc because I was frustrated with my ability to motivate my patients to be active because I couldn't agree with you more. It's this, it's everything. Movement is everything. And in cardiology, what I practice, um, you know, unfortunately, there are, it's the number one killer, heart disease. And we're doing everything we can to reduce high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, cholesterol. And we can make a significant dent in that by being active. And I would, uh, as a resident, I would talk to my patients about how important it was. And I realized after years, I'm a little dense. Uh, it took me a while that it was totally ineffective when they came back for six and 12 month follow up. So I wanted to have the patient have to say no to my face. Mm. So I asked them if they were um, willing to join my family and I at the park on a Saturday morning for a walk, and it all just blossomed from there. It takes a, a lot of interest, and I see your face light up. I mean, for, 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 I know we're audio, so you can't really see how David's face is lighting up and Isha's face is lighting up um, when they're talking about their passions. It's a beautiful thing to see, right? And it was pretty awesome that you brought your family into it, too, but pushing patients to challenge them and think differently because not only did you invite them to come out, you offered connection. Tell, a little, tell us a little bit more about the importance of the connection. Uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, the, the connection is everything. It's the X factor of walk with a doc. And, you know, it, it, some people may like having a doctor there, but everyone likes having colleagues, friends, neighbors, loved ones there to support them. And Dr. Murthy, our Surgeon General, has spoken beautifully about the importance of social connection and um, 
that was something I started this just to get people active, that simple thing. And it turns out that the social connection is at least as important as this critical piece of physical activity. Is this a good time now to get a jumping demonstration? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, to connect uh, what I was saying earlier about the drumming, uh, about, you know, bomba and connecting it with the emotions. Uh, in bomba, we have multiple rhythms, and every rhythm gives you a different emotion, and, you know, I listen to the drum, like for example, I'll, I'll give you something simple example, 2017 my grandfather, my grandfather passed away. And the rhythm of Yuba is the rhythm that I felt like dancing. So that rhythm is usually connected to sadness. Now if I make it a little bit faster, then it can connect more with like anger emotions. Um, and then there's the rhythm of Olande, which is usually associated with happy and joy. And joy. rhythm of Quembe is more associated with like flirtiness and some people even when um, I teach this in class and I ask the students what do you feel like when you listen to this rhythm they say flow or waves so listen to it <laughs> Last one I'll do for you is Seis Corrido, which is associated to the town of Loiza, and that one is usually very speed. I'm not going to play it as fast as you know an actual <laughs> a professional drummer, um, but um, but it's usually more also flirtiness, but all, like uh, it has a lot of hip movement. It's very very upbeat, and it's usually one of the favorites from the community. It's like it's very quick, but I'll do my best. <laughs> You've got this, Isa. So that's Seis Corrido. So if you can, if you could tell even, how do you feel yourself? Right. Yeah, I totally can uh, feel the rhythm of the beats. And, you know, when my face starts to smile, when your rhythm picks up, the more introspective I felt when you played your um, slower beats and really trying to follow you and um, feel what you're um, expressing through the drums. And I think that is a phenomenal um, gift of music, right? It's the part that you're not necessarily in control of. And I, I think that's true to movement as well, right? There are certain things that movement does that people aren't um, aware of is happening to them. And to that end, I wanted to ask you, Dr. Samgar, is there unexpected outcomes that you um, ran into moving from that being a resident and now 
a full-blown physician who's done your residencies and fellowships, and you're asking these people to just move. You just wanted them to be active. But what are some of the other outcomes that were not necessarily the intended outcomes, but still positive from being active and moving? I uh, love that question. Please call me David. Um, the We realized the power of nature early on. We started in mm. 2005, and there's been some really fantastic research in the last several years about how important nature is for our health. And the current dose we know of this nature of medicine is 120 minutes a week. So we love to get our, our share of that when we go for our weekly walks together. Um, the, probably the most important thing has been breaking down barriers. Uh, the barrier between the white coat of the physician and the patient, um, racial barriers, socioeconomic barriers, um, really you name it. Um, that has been probably the most beautiful thing that I've seen. Um, one other one is education. We learned that early on that uh, our healthcare providers speaking at the beginning for a few minutes was very powerful back to that social connection piece kind of as an icebreaker to bring us together and um, maybe flush out some really important questions that our participants may have. So yeah, um, we started as simple going for a walk and we've learned uh, along the way over the last, I guess, 18 years. I'm curious, when you say community, right? Parks look different based on your zip code and safety is different based on your zip code. So when you're asking folks to come to a park, are you considering, did you have to change locations? Did you have to make accommodations for those who needed to take public transportation? Talk to me about how you had to shift your walk with the dog based on social determinants of health. Yeah, critical question. And we are blessed to be um, all over. We've um, not as all over as we want to be yet. We're in about 535 communities around the world. So that answer is uh, dependent on where we are. We strongly encourage all our starting chapters, and we're starting about 10 to 15, hopefully 20 a month. Um, we encourage them to be in ADA accessible sites, but even that's not enough. And we encourage uh, locations that are um, amenable to everyone possible. And ideally, there is public transit to the location, but it's a learning process, and we have a long way to go, um, and we're, we're doing what we can right now. I think that um, David touched on something really critical, and you mentioned the ADA, and earlier you mentioned the 120 minutes of nature, which made me think of the National Physical Activity Plan, and that sets the recommendations for how active and how much time adults and or children should be active in a week to you know, stay relatively healthy. And I think it's 150, so mm -hmm. it's only a 30-minute difference. And um, I think, too, about what Christian mentioned as far as accessibility and how people who may not walk but still need to be 
active, right? It's just as important for someone who may um, transport by wheelchair and have a spinal cord injury to move, right? So they don't get bed sore, so that they have whatever circulation that they're not getting from being able to walk. And have has that been an integral part of this um, learning part of the expansion of Walk with the Doc, or is this um, something that is secondary and maybe even um, something that you didn't necessarily have to consider initially, but now might have some intention behind expanding it, not just throughout the world, but throughout the various communities that the, and people that make up communities? Exactly. Um, I look at this as a lifelong learning process and I feel, you know, woefully insufficient most of the time as, as we're starting this. So it's having the right intention. Um, we do have a walk and roll with a doc in, um, <laughs> in Dallas um, at the Tom Landry Center. But, you know, that's, that's one location out of a lot of locations. So we try and make it accessible. And, you know, back to the, the critically uh, important issue regarding health and underserved areas and zip codes that aren't um, uh, just where it's not quite as safe. We're providing robust scholarships, mostly free, to um, doctors and healthcare providers in underserved areas to try and facilitate um, bringing the walk to locations where it might not normally be. And you're exactly right. You know, a lot of physicians may live in. Um, uh, zip codes that don't have as many issues and they may choose parks that are close to their house to have walk with a doc. So we need to do everything we can to support those physicians, but also um, bring the walk to the most needed areas where, you know, it may not be the first go-to. And we're trying to do that through partnerships and, and robust scholarships. So starting the walk is, is essentially free. And then providing everything from soup to nuts on how to, to get it going. You, know, you mentioned free. And I, I think about both Isha, the dancing, as well as walking. So cost, but it's also accessibility. And being able to carry those beats with you, <laughs> knowing that at any time you have access to a rhythm in your mind, right? Or you're planting the seeds that movement is so important. Getting your grandmother out, going for a walk, even if you're dancing along the way. Talk about how important it is to at least plant the seeds to just start somewhere. I'll, I'll, well, that's the name of the organization, Semilla seed, is yeah. Seed. So that, that was the whole idea, was uh, how, you know, starting a community from, from scratch at a certain point, like I know I practice Bomba here in D.C., I started dancing Bomba here in D.C., so there was some community already, but then having trying to increase that, that's why the uh, organization started with an educational focus. So just trying to... Give them that spark, initiate that spark of interest. So this is a tradition that has been here for 100 year plus, you know, and you haven't heard of it, but it's from, you know, the African diaspora. How do we connect? So it's kind of like finding ways to connect to the other communities besides Puerto Rican community. 
So, and, and one of the projects that we have led in the organization, which started kind of like a, as an idea, how do we connect to other people that are interested in African diasporic genres, is a project that we're calling Music Evolution in the African Diaspora. And we're actually going to have a, a, a summit next year for the first time, and it's bringing how music and dance of the African diaspora connect to Bomba so that we can see how we're all connected somehow. We have the same root of African music and dance. How do we connect? Uh, so this year, upcoming year, we're going to have salsa music, Afro-Colombian music, and also jazz music. So we're going to be, we're looking for that way when to... When is this and where is this? This is, this is <laughs> May, it's going to be May 18th. It's going to be in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And we're bringing uh, speakers, panels, we're doing workshops, we're doing workshops and we're doing also a concert at the end of the day so that people can understand the history, have interactive workshops, and then actually feel the live music of the movement and the end and, and beats. Um, so, and the intention is actually that just planting that seed to see, because I think once you start this park and with all the information accessibility that we have nowadays on our phones, you know, uh, we can then dig a little bit deeper about, you know, what is this and, and, and what, how does it connect to me as an individual and how do I can connect to my community? So I think it's, it's, it's always starting with self-evaluation and then moving, moving broader. So the, the best both physical and mental benefits are going from the couch to a 5K, yes. as opposed to turning 5Kers into marathoners, and it's um, it's it's you're, we're swimming upstream. Um, you know, I will talk to patients that I've had now for 20 years, and I'll invite them to walk with a doc every six, 12 months, and they may not accept ever, or they may accept you know the 10th or 15th time I ask. So I've learned this whole concept along the way as I've been banging my head against the wall that sometimes it takes many, many um, requests and, you know, eventually we'll get there. And I think all of us around the table want it to happen sooner than, than it is. But I think as long as we're fighting the good fight with the right intentions, you know, we'll eventually get there. And it's the journey's quite fun along the way. Well, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that because as a as a woman who was divorced, right, and had three children as a single mom, the invitation helps, but you have to be able to navigate how am I going to fit this in to my life demands. And so not giving up on them and meeting them where they are, that 10th time, it may take that much time to say, okay, this is something that I want to do. I have to create space for it. So kudos to you all for not giving up. Uh, well, it's kind of you. I mean, I've seen the same thing on myself. I've seen nonprofits that I love and want to get um, really integrated in and just don't have the time I wish to do it. So I can see from the other side. Um, and then one thing, additionally, uh, to your point, Kristen, that we hope to do at Walk With a Doc is someone may say, if he thinks I'm going to drive 22 miles to go for a walk with him, like, that's crazy. But maybe they can say, you know what, I can, by the time I were to drive to walk with a doc, I could be out my door, walk three blocks, do this, come back home, see my kids. So it, it's also that spirit of the message. I think that it is um, really key to what I was talking about with someone earlier is to find your people. Mm -hmm. And 
we're talking about community throughout our entire discussion um, about movement, its physical and mental um, impact. And I think with both of your organizations, the opportunity has been given for people to potentially even redefine who they are, let alone who their people are, right? You give them another opportunity to connect uh, to Kristen's uh, point, um, to build community, which can also um, ultimately do exactly what you said, which is to change behavior, right? Or to re-navigate the way one behaves. And I would love, um, because I feel like being people who have poured your life's um, desires into a cause or into an effort, you have taken yourself and working with other people to a, another level of vulnerability. Um, so one, my hat's off to you for that. And two, would love to know, because I think people always want to know, well, what do you do, right? When a doctor tells me to do something or someone asks me to do a certain dance, I'm like, would you tell your mother to do that? Would you ask your, is that the same advice you'd give your sister? What is one thing that in this time of your giving of yourselves, in addition to what you do um, on a day-to-day -day basis, do you do for your own physical and or mental health? Mm -mm. <laughs> no, this, like Bomba, is my physical and mental health center, basically. So I work an eight-to-five job, sitting in the desk all day. And, you know, I have two girls and I have to run around, take them to their events around. But usually in the weekends, I teach bomba. So I'm doing an hour, an hour, two hour dance class. That's my workshop, like my workout right there. And then, you know, explaining to students. And one of the fulfillments I get from bomba is when I listen to the impact from my students directly. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's when I, you know, I started this because I found a gap in myself that I needed to connect to my identity, to connect to Puerto Rico. And that's when I decided if I, a Boricua that left Puerto Rico, had this gap, how many other Boricuas that are here has this gap? And how could this project benefit them? And, and that's when the project started. So when I hear... Like, for example, last December, we performed at the Smithsonian Museum right in the lobby, main lobby. And, you know, you hear how loud the drum is. So mm -hmm. the echo there was amazing. But hearing people after the performance saying, I suddenly felt that I was in Puerto Rico, other Boricuas that went to see us. I felt that I was, it was during December, so we played a lot of, like, holiday carols and music. And, and so hearing that, or, like, um, asking my students, you know, how, how do you feel about this class? And they are telling me, with all the personal problems that I have, this is my escape. Bomba balances my life because I have these problems at home. So when I'm drumming, I forget about all that. Or when I'm dancing, you know, I get to move because I'm so sedentary at home all the time. So it's like listening to those little things that make me think, like, this is beyond what I thought it would be one day. You know, it started, like, a small idea. Okay, let's connect community because, you know, I missed it. And maybe others, but no, like, the impact is beyond what I could, I could have expected or imagined at the time that I created. So it's beautiful. It's very fulfilling. 
and and my soul is full. This is my soul food. So I, I that's how I keep take care of myself, basically. <laughs> the unintended reaffirmation. That's beautiful. And David, what's something that you do for your physical and mental health? Yeah, um, maybe similar in the sense that it's it is my soul food. It. it when I'm, I realize when I'm feeling down, a lot of the times it's because I haven't been with friends. Um, so I do love walking, running, cycling. Uh, I do like swimming. That's not a social activity. <laughs> um, but the most important thing to me um, is doing that with my friends, whatever the activity is. I always leave feeling two or three times happier uh, whether it's walking uh, with friends at walk with a dock or biking or running with friends, um, it always makes me happy. Just to see the smiles on your face is so, so nice to see. And I can tell you, so I lived in Chicago for 27 years and my closest, one of my closest friends is about fellow Boricua White. And mm-hmm. so our daughters would do bumpa together oh. and we looked forward to it, right? It's smiles on their faces, the music, the community, it's in it's just very extremely powerful, mm-hmm. especially when you get the students young and they can create an outlet for themselves. So you all are doing fantastic work. So is there anything else when you think about your goals? And I hate to put it in such action-oriented words, right? But when you dream, how about that? When you dream, where do you think your dreams will take you in the next few years? Uh, Both David and Isha. Thank you. I love that question. Um, So as I mentioned, we're around 535 chapters. And my goal is always around numbers and growing that. And it it sounds artificial to say that. or um, But what we've seen is each walk with a doc, what it does for their community is... um, really feels magical. I, I'm not smart enough to have created something like this. We just got super lucky. And so I want as many as possible. And we're doing everything within our power to facilitate um, bringing Walk With a Doc uh, all over the world. And um, ideally, three years from now, I would love to have triple our number and maybe more importantly, be able to, making sure that we are continuing to provide this to any healthcare provider who wants to connect with their community in this way. Um, For me, I would say there is the personal goal that I have. I'm actually finishing my first children's book on Bomba. Congratulations. Thank you. So it should be published within the next month or two. So, um, so, my first goal is to, this is the first of several uh, Bomba children's book, uh, you know, children's book focus on Bomba that, that I want to publish. I want to make sure that the legacy is beyond just a classroom, but there's something tangible that if I'm not here someday, and leave resources for the community in general that they can find. And it's, not, it's, for, it's a kid's book, but it really is for everybody. Um, I've, I had a few friends and family members read it already, and they're like saying how they <laughs> like the story plus the educational part of the book. So it's like really for everybody. So that's my personal goal is just live several of those, uh, but then also see how the, the tradition can be used for, can be like spread out more into like mental health, 
Um, I've, I'm seeing an increase in, in, in events of bomba connecting with mental health, um, but also physical health. And um, looking for all the other benefits that the spirituality of it as well. So all these benefits that the, the, the tradition has. Um, and, you know, composing more songs. I think, uh, uh, you know, bomba tells stories about our communities, mm -hmm. their, you know, life stories. So I think it's very important that we also, you know, keep a legacy of, of what's happening in our communities through, through storytelling and music. So I think that's another one. I'm excited uh, to hear about your uh, goals coming to fruition and being realized. And I hope you do audiobooks with those children's books because I think that would be amazing <laughs> <laughs> uh, to listen to. And, you know, it's been a huge honor to sit with both of you to see these organic um, organizations that have come to actually really feed and uplift the communities that exist, right? It's not that you came in somewhere to change the world or to change people and who their eminent um, being is, but to enhance who they are and what they can be in their full healthy selves on a physical and mental level. So thank you for the work that you both uh, continue to do and definitely um, we are proud to be in partnership with you at Movement is Life. Um, um, part of our theme this year is bridging these gaps of health disparities and so the work you do um, speaks to that and, um, and exudes that. So I just want to say thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And for those who are listening, we encourage you to seek out resources close to you, whether they are Boomba, you know, dances in your community, or there's a nearby walk with the dot, or you can start your own chapter. That's what we can do. We thank you all so much. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Health Disparities Podcast. Thanks to my guests, David and Aisha, and thanks to all our listeners for joining us on America's leading health equity podcast. Until next time, be safe and be well. Copyright Movement is Life 2023.